Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. If you're new here, if you're new to BC and you're just joining us online, my name is Joe. And along with my beautiful wife, Erin, we get to lead BC Boardman and we're loving it. And uh, almost a year into living in Canfield, Ohio, and just enjoying every second of it. And um, today I get to share with you in this brand new message series that we're starting called Tree Huggers. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this message today. This is one of those messages that has been brewing. You know what I'm saying? Actually, I can trace the early beginnings of this message to almost eight years ago. And God was just showing me some different things as I was reading through His Word and. And so over the last eight years, I've just been kind of marinating on it. And I have a little message idea folder where I'll send myself ideas of things that I think would be great for a series or a message someday. And um, just to this point, haven't felt right to dust it off, but I, I felt like this is the time. So I'm excited to talk to you about this. And here's why I'm so interested in this. Years ago, I just started seeing all of these moments where trees would kind of jump out in different stories in the Bible. You see, you see things like Zacchaeus and the sycamore tree. We all, if we grew up in Sunday school, remember that song and remember seeing that on the felt board. And then you see things like Jesus cursing the fig tree and all these fascinating moments. But altogether, if you, if you add all of these different moments where trees are mentioned in the Bible, just in the NIV translation, for instance, you see it over 800 times, which is pretty interesting. So apart from God and humans, trees are the most frequently mentioned living thing in the Bible. I think there's something to that. So get this, in the NIV, tree, the word tree is mentioned 293 times, fruit, 212, branch, 107, Root 57, forest 51, vine 72, and leaf 19. It's really interesting. Then you can start to see how it is woven through the story of creation and, and redemption. Think about this. All of creation starts in a garden. Everything is, is beautiful. It's perfect. There's perfect communion and connection with God. And then there's this tree that gets us into trouble. What's the tree called? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so Eve eats the fruit and then gives it to Adam and, and really everything is fractured and fragmented. Then along comes Jesus and you continue in this narrative, this story of salvation. And, and as Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, surrounded by olive trees, he is enduring this painful moment of suffering. And really it's suffering and it's surrendering because he's saying, God, it's really not my will that I would go to the cross and endure this pain, but not my will, your will be done. And I think every one of us has to walk through some moments in our life where we are underneath the olive tree and we just have to trust God and just trust that he is in control. And even when we go through painful things that he's using that to form us and shape us and make us into his image. Well, here's the cool full circle moment. There's another tree that I think most of us are pretty familiar with. It's the tree called Calvary, right? The tree called the cross. And Jesus, in this beautiful moment, remember everything was right in the garden. Then everything was made wrong in the Garden of Eden. And then all, all of it culminates in this moment where Jesus resurrects where? In a garden. And when the two women discover him on that morning, he could have come to them and appeared to them as Jesus, but they didn't recognize him as Jesus. And they had spent years with him, but they recognized him as a gardener. And I think that is absolutely by design because what God is trying to say is, hey, I am a gardener and I am cultivating you. 
I'm cultivating your calling. I'm doing something that is so much deeper in you than you could ever imagine. And I can take the pain of your sin and all of the fragmented, fractured images of your mistakes and I can put them all back together through this tree called the cross and I can redeem you in this garden of my resurrection. Now, not only does the Bible mention these trees, but I think it's fascinating that the Bible, if you take a deeper look, it actually likens you and I to trees. Like, think about this. This is Jeremiah 17, seven. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a what? Like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream. And I like this and will not fear when the heat comes. And I just love that we serve a God that can tell us, hey, if you're planted in me and you're by a stream of living water, then even when the world turns up the heat, you're gonna be okay. I'll take care of you. Look what it goes on to say, but it leaves, its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought. Man, that'll preach, right? I mean, we are going through some difficult times in our world and in our country. You could say that there is a spiritual drought happening here, but can I tell you something? Those who are planted, they prosper even when it's a drought. God gets water to them when they need it the most. And we don't have to be anxious like the rest of the world. This is Psalm 52, eight. But I am like a green olive tree. Where? In the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. Now I wanna show you a picture. I just want you to see the similarities between humans and trees. At first glance, this picture definitely looks like a tree, right? It's got the branches and if you, if you study it and you look at really what it is, it's actually a CT scan of the human lung. I think there's some cool parallels between trees and humans because it's really our lungs by design is an inverted tree. It converts CO2 to oxygen, right? There, there's this beautiful thing that God's showing us even in the design that he has in our bodies. So here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that discipleship can be summed up by this one phrase, be a tree, like be a good tree. Live planted, fruited, fruitful lives rooted in God, and you're gonna go somewhere. You're gonna do something pretty incredible with your life. Be a tree. And so I'm reclaiming the term tree huggers because here's the reality. Every one of us is called to be a tree, but we're not just called to be a tree on our own. We're called to be a tree in this forest of faith in a community of other believers. We're called to be tree huggers. So for the next two weeks, we're gonna talk about that. And uh, for the next two weeks, I'm renaming Believer's Church. We're not Believer's Church anymore. We're B. Leafer's Church, okay? That's, uh, that's for free right there. Dad joke, nailed it. Okay. So listen, Saturday didn't laugh at that at all. You guys are way more spiritual, way more spiritual. So I wanna take a look at four characteristics of healthy trees four characteristics of healthy trees. And can I be a pesky pastor and just challenge you to write some stuff down today? Like find some notes, get your notes app out. I don't say that so it can stroke my ego and I can feel better about the message I'm preaching. Sometimes I really believe this. I believe a quiet audience sometimes is a thinking audience and God's working on you. So I'm not insecure, but I do notice this. When I write things down, it connects in my mind and in my brain and in my spirit in a different way. And then sometimes you never know when you dust off those notes five years from now, when you're going through a rough patch then, God might bring something to the surface then that you're like, man, I, I couldn't even see it then, but I see it now. And so that's just my encouragement to you today. Here's number one, healthy trees grow deep. Healthy trees grow deep. Or another way to say it is healthy trees have deep roots. 
Think about this, every tree, whether they're five feet tall or 350 feet into the sky, every tree could not exist without this invisible thing called roots. You can't see it, it's beneath the surface, it's buried in the dirt, it's not flashy, but the roots are what helps that tree to exist. Now, I just learned this two weeks ago. Did you know that the average tree has roots that extend one and a half times its height? So for every tree as massive as it gets into the sky, it actually grows deeper into the ground. Now think about this. If you were to look at a time-lapse of a plant or a tree growing, you ever see these on the Discovery Channel? It's amazing what they can capture. It, it almost looks counterproductive, right? Because all the growth that it does at first is going in the wrong direction. It's all going down. But there's something to that. I really do believe that there is a developmental process in growth that happens when nobody can see. And can I just encourage you? Because in our culture, we love to elevate and we love to lift up on stages and put on pedestals people that have gifts that you can see with your eyes. But can I tell you something? Behind every person with a gift that lasts, there is development. There is character that happens in the soil of our soul beneath the surface where nobody's looking. And so this is how God works. He develops us and, and he does it through roots. I think in our culture, sometimes we kind of have this idea and we really have an infatuation almost with this term overnight success. We say this a lot and I don't know about you, but I love it. I mean, I love watching the Olympics and watching somebody that was relatively unknown just kind of rise to fame because of this amazing thing that they've done. But I think we could all agree that there is no such thing as an overnight success. How about the Chinese bamboo plant? This is an amazing plant because it's, it's the seed that has all this potential. It gets planted in the ground. And the gardener goes to water this seed day after day, week after week, month after month. Get this, year after year. Two years, they're still watering the same spot. I don't know about you, but as a gardener, I'd start to second guess myself. Did I plant it over here or did I plant it over there? I really hope I'm watering the right spot. You know, and then another year goes by, four years come and go. Get this, Chinese bamboo plant. Five years after it's been planted in the soil, overnight, the gardener comes out and all of a sudden, a bud springs out of the ground. And then in the next six weeks, it grows 50 to 60 feet. And if somebody were to come along and they just saw the bud to the 60 feet, they would say, wow, that plant grew like overnight. But the reality is it took five years to become an overnight success. And this is how God works in all of our lives. There are things that one day God is going to use you to do and a lot of people are gonna see it and the fruit of your life is gonna bless a lot of people. But there is a process and a development that happens in the meantime that is way more important than anything that anybody can see. And if I were a seed, I might get a little bit salty and kind of feel like, man, I got all this potential and I'm just buried in the dirt. You know, growth is messy, it's dirty, it's not flashy, it's not cool but I really do believe that God wants to grow you down before he can grow you up. When I think about my wife and I, I, I'm just sharing personal experiences because I see so many people that I'm telling you, I watch them come through our church. I know them. Um, I've grown up with some of them. They're astronomically more talented than I am, more gifted than I am, but they did not grow roots. And today they don't serve God at all. They didn't grow roots and today they're not married to the person they wanted to be married the rest of their life to. They didn't grow roots and they didn't have integrity so they no longer have a business. It's, it's roots, it's an important thing. And, and I think about my wife and I, and I remember, you know, we're going on 14 years of marriage. I know there are many of you that have been married two and three times that. And, 
you're my true heroes. We're still figuring it out. But just speaking from experience, I remember when we were young in our married life and I was just so, I was so eager to see God do bigger things through us. We both grew up in pastor's homes and we kind of had a jump start in ministry because we watched it all of our lives. And so I always knew, I was four years old and I knew I'm gonna be a pastor one day. I knew it, but God had to develop me and I had to grow some roots first. And I remember there were moments probably 10 years ago, maybe even as recent as five years ago, where there was frustration that would set in, where we would think, man, it could be easier if we just went to a church somewhere far away. We could probably earn a little bit more, live a little bit more comfortable life. But there was something deep inside of us that said, nope, you gotta keep growing some roots. Keep growing down. The fruit will come, but first you gotta grow some roots. And you know what? I'm thankful that God did that. Sometimes God's blessing is in the yes that he gives you, but way more often his blessing is in the no. His protection is in the no. Because listen, God wasn't gonna trust me to help other people with their marriages if my marriage was a mess. God wasn't gonna trust me to help other people get out of their toxic thinking if my mind was all over the place. So God had to do something in us first. And I'm convinced that if we would have taken the shortcut, that we probably wouldn't be in ministry today. We might not be married today. I truly believe that. There were so many things that God had to do in and through us. And I wrote it this way. We need to learn to rest in the root season. We need to learn to rest in the root season. I remember when my mom used to bake with us and it was one of our favorite things. My mom's a good baker. And, um, and so my favorite thing to do is eat cake. And so it works really well. It's a great relationship. And, um, and I remember as a kid, you know, we'd get so excited about mixing you know, the, the bowl and eating the spoon. And then we'd be waiting as we're licking the spoon, we're watching. And it felt like that oven would, the timer would never go down. And, and you know what I would do? I'd get antsy as I got older and I would keep opening up the oven and try to peek in there. And my mom would say, no, 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 don't do that. I know you wanna see what is gonna be in your mouth in just a few seconds and in your belly in just a few seconds, but you're actually sabotaging the process and it will be half-baked when you take it out. And I heard God say this, I think some of us have a half-baked harvest because all we do is we just look ahead and we just get excited about the things that one day God will have in, in our future, but we're missing out on the things that he's wanting to do right now in the development process. Come on, somebody. All right. Yeah, we can give it up. Jesus had something to say about that. Uh, seed in the sower, this, this famous parable. I'm just gonna pick one line from it, Mark 4, 17. But since they don't have what? Deep roots. They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or they're persecuted for believing God's word. You know, 2020 was difficult for all of us in every way. I don't even like talking about it, to be honest. But the most difficult thing for me as a pastor was watching people that I knew really loved God and really loved his church fall away. And you ever talk to a sleep talker? They're saying all the right things and they kind of look like they're awake and they sound like they're awake, but the words coming out of their mouth don't quite connect. And there's a cognitive dissonance. I talk to a lot of sleep talkers and I'll connect with them and say, where you been? I miss you. How's things going? Oh, we'll be back. You know, we, we miss you. We're, we're just social distancing and, and it's been a year and a half and some of them don't even follow Jesus anymore. And can I tell you why? It's not because they don't love God. It's not because they don't even read the Bible sometimes or read books like Chicken Soup for the Soul. Their hearts are in a decent place, but they don't have roots. 2020 revealed our roots, because I can tell you this, there are just as many people, if not way more, that are watching right now and listening, and 2020 revealed the roots that they had. 
And during a difficult time, they're thriving. And even though it felt like a drought all around them, they had roots that went deep and God took care of them and their business didn't go back. It actually moved forward because God's hand of blessing was on their life and their marriage actually improved and their parenting got better. And God worked through that season, but, but it revealed their roots. So this is Colossians 2.6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and build up in him. It strengthens us to be rooted, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So healthy trees grow deep. Here's the second one. Healthy trees grow wide. Healthy trees grow wide. <clears throat> you know, one of my favorite trees is the sequoia. They are massive trees, right? Have you ever seen these? 350 feet in the air. To give you context for how big that is, some of the largest sequoias are five stories taller than the Statue of Liberty. That's how big these trees are. And they obviously can grow really big and really wide. Um, they drive cars through them. You know, like they're just big trees. But I, I discovered the secret to a sequoia is this, that they never grow alone. As a matter of fact, if they grew alone, if they were planted and they were not around other trees in a community of trees, they would actually collapse under their own weight. They have to grow with other trees or they will never reach their full potential. And they do this really cool thing where they lock roots with each other. They interlock their roots and it creates this strength collectively that they could never have individually. Because when you're that big, you're a big target and wind is always hitting you and the storms come and all kinds of things are coming at them, but they're strong because they're growing together. And so this is what God's called us to do. You know, some trees talk to each other. They really do. Like this is interesting. The willow, when it's attacked by webworms, it actually talks to the surrounding trees that are connected with them. And it tells them that there are worms there. And those other trees, they study it scientifically. They produce more tannin on their leaves and it protects their leaves so that when worms come to them, it won't affect them. This is the design of the church, by the way, because there's two ways to learn, right? The one way is by your experience and your mistakes. The other way is by the experience of others and the mistakes of others. And although I love when God teaches me through my own failures and my own mistakes, I think it would be so much better if I could avoid it altogether and just walk through with the wisdom of other people, right? Amen. This is how God teaches us. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Now, during times of drought, this is really cool. Trees can share through their root system water as well. And so if a tree is going through a particularly hard time, they have this network, this system of roots, and the trees that are closer to the sources of water can pull on that and they can redistribute it to someone who needs it more than they do. And man, this was, this was screaming of Acts chapter four to me. This is what verse 32 says. All the believers were in one heart and mind and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Got me to thinking about a great couple at our Boardman campus, Jake and Brandy. Shout out Jake and Brandy. And um, Jake's a sailor, so that just makes him extra cool in my book. I just think he's awesome. And we got to do some connect groups together and uh, probably five or six months ago, he had an injury to his shoulder. I think there was some ice involved and it was really painful. And so he told me, and I just spread the word with like our connect group and some of the people that I knew, knew Jake. And I said, hey, can you just be praying for him? 
Well, later that week, we were headed home from our connect group and he's in my car and I'm just asking him, how are you doing? And he starts to tear up. And he's like, you know, I gotta tell you, I have never been a part of a church that cared for me like this church. I've never felt like I belonged so much as I do at Believer's Church. And he said, whatever you said to these people, they sprang into action. There's a couple at our church named Stephen Meredith. They're incredible cooks. Uh, they had their, their chefs and caterers. They made him seven days worth of meals. Like he had to put it in his storage freezer because he didn't have enough. Then another couple, it's an awesome couple, uh, Charlotte and Floyd, they made him a meal. And then all the guys from our connect group started texting him, encouraging things and saying, how can I pray for you? What can I do for you? And I'm telling you, this is the beauty of being in a community of trees, being a tree hugger, planted together. Here's number three. So healthy trees grow deep. Healthy trees grow wide. Healthy trees say my roots are right here. Healthy trees say my roots are right here. This is Psalm 92, 12. Maybe, quite possibly, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Here's what it says. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, big old tree, and grow like a cedar in Lebanon, another huge tree. Verse 13, here's a, here's a great phrase. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. In old age, they will still bear fruit. Come on, somebody. Healthy and green, they will remain to proclaim the Lord is upright. He is my rock and in him there is no unrighteousness. Now, real quick, I'm about to, I'm about to be a pesky pastor again. You gotta promise me you love me, all right? Just, can you say it real quick? We love you, Joe. Okay, all right. Same with you online. BC Boardman, TCI. Can I point something out? I'm gonna be Captain Obvious for a second. It doesn't say those who are planted through a parachurch ministry will flourish in the courts of our God. Those who are planted in a charity, those are great things, but it says planted in the house. It doesn't say those who are planted through a podcast of a preacher I like will flourish. It doesn't say those who are planted in some cool faraway church that I watch online a few times a month. I can't be planted through a pastor I follow on Instagram I can't be rooted through a book that I read. I can't live stream into the soil. No, I gotta be planted in the house. And while I'm on it, let me just talk about live stream for a second. I love live stream. I think it's beautiful. Some of you are live streaming from a beach right now and we hate you and we love you all at the same time. It's beautiful when you're on vacation and when, when life gets in the way and things happen, I understand that. We had one family from our, our church in Boardman, their son was just in the Little League World Series and they went all the way to the finals. I mean, really cool. I get it. You gotta go do live stream on that weekend. But here, here's the reality. If we do not have moments built into our life where we have community and people can get up in our business and ask us tough questions and challenge us. Let me say it this way. You're a tree, so that means you got a trunk. So that means we got some junk in the trunk, okay? We got some things in our life that other people need to help us work through. We all do, me included. I'm at the front of the line. And so if we are only connecting online two times a month, if we're lucky, and we don't have connect groups and community and people that can encourage us can, and ask us hard questions, we will not become a disciple the way God's called us to be. You know, we have an enemy, and I would go so far as to say this. Our enemy is perfectly fine with us being excited, just so long as we're not planted. He's perfectly fine with it. Like, he's cool with you singing your heart out to a worship song, He's not threatened by you going to a Christian conference. He's not worried about you 
going and listening to the Christian radio station. Those are good things, by the way. I don't have anything against it, but it just doesn't threaten the enemy. Like maybe the reality is he's fine with you even attending just so you're not connecting. Because did you know that you can come to church every week and sit in a church and still not be planted in the house of God? It's possible. I love what Levi Lusco says. He says, the church was never meant to be an audience. It was meant to be an army. This is what we're trying to build is disciples that would follow Jesus and give him their life. We're not trying to entertain people. If this is all just so we can show up and hear somebody speak and get us all revved up and hear some good singing, we could do that anywhere. This is about the church of Jesus Christ being rooted in the soil of the house of God. And here's the reality. Yeah, we can give it up. Why not? You guys are great. Yell at me more, Joe. You know, like that's awesome. Masochistic, I like it. All right. Here's the reality though. The devil starts to get nervous when we start to grow roots because then he starts to see the fruits produced in our life. And I wanna just reason with you. If God is a gardener and he wants us to be planted, can we all agree that if I'm the enemy and I'm a strategist, I wanna do everything I can to convince the plant that it doesn't need to be planted. And one of the best ways he does it, the devil is a master distractor. One of the best ways that he does it is by trying to get you to devalue the soil that you're planted in. To not see the value of the soil that you're planted in. Let's get real practical here, all right? Some of us are called to live here, but we don't have any joy living here because we're always looking at Florida and South Carolina. Come on. I call it destination disease. All right, so let me be Dr. Joe for a second, okay? I'm gonna diagnose you. I'm gonna list some symptoms of destination disease. And if you got more than one, you might wanna pray about God healing you of destination disease, all right? Just having a little bit of fun in the house of God. You might have destination disease if your symptoms include everything looks better from far away, which by the way, it always does. How about this? We may or may not have Beach Life bumper stickers on our car. Some of you feel personally attacked right now, and I love you. You can have Beach Life bumper stickers and still be planted, but that just might be a sign. We spend hours thumbing through travel sites or Instagram accounts fantasizing about the place we could be instead of where we are right now. Might have destination disease. Hey, this could happen locally. Like we love looking on job application sites and we have a good job, but we're never content with that job. If I just had that boss, then my life would be better. If I just had that salary, if I just made this much more, then I would have joy, then I would have peace. How about this? We spend time comparing the food we eat, the clothes we wear, the house we live in, the cars we drive, and discontentment seems to be a never-ending struggle in our life. We might have destination disease. How about this? I spend 52 weeks of the year consumed with the three weeks of vacation that I get every year. Now listen, God loves vacation. I just talked to you about how Pastor Joe takes time of rest. We want you to rest. We want you to refuel. But we have, to, we have to see this for what it is. Why is this a problem? Well, it's because if I'm always focused on what's far away, I miss out on the miracle of what God wants to do right here in my area, in the soil that I'm planted in. And soil is only as good as the seed's commitment to be planted in it. Let me say it this way. Don't curse what God's called you to. Don't curse what God's called you to. I run into so many spouses that will tell me my marriage is a mess. And then when you're around them, all they do is curse their marriage. 
my wife's this and my wife's that. And if my husband would do this, then I would do that. And no wonder our marriage is failing because all we do is speak death over it. Some of us curse our job all day long and then we wonder why we don't get a raise, you know? Why haven't I been promoted? But all we say is my boss is this and he's awful and she's awful and we badmouth them and then we don't work real hard and we're not working diligently under the Lord. And then we wonder why we're not seeing the results we wanna see. Some of us curse our kids and don't even realize it. I love when I get around a parent and you can just see they bless their kids. Like they find, man, their kids are a knucklehead, but they find the one thing, you know what I'm saying? Like every mom's amazing at this, by the way. <laughs> and, and there's just, there's something beautiful about that. But, but some parents, you get around them and you're just so sad for the kids because the kids are just like this and they, they know that they don't have any value because that's all their parents have ever told them and our kids are failing out of school and they don't have any ambition. And we wonder why, well, it's because we've cursed what we're called to. So be excited about where you're planning because here's the reality. Calling is the cure for destination disease. When we can have a purpose for where God's planted us, all that stuff starts to fade away. You've heard of beer goggles, I'm sure. Um, I, I have something called pastor goggles. And we live in, in the valley. I, I think there's something that I like to call the like valley view. It's kind of like the glass is always half empty. We've been through a lot in the valley. We have. It's easy to just start anticipating that bad things are coming, right? That's just natural. But let me show you the difference. So Valley View says, this area is finished. The best is behind us. But through my pastor goggles, I look at this place and I'm like, I don't know, I think it's pretty awesome. And I think the best is yet to come. I think God's not done yet. I think he's just getting started. I think he specializes in doing big things in small places. As a matter of fact, why not here? How about this Valley View sees imperfect people and wants to write them off. But I see people in progress. I see potential and growth. Valley View says, oh, it's raining again. Another cloudy day in Warren, Ohio. Another overcast day in Boardman. But I say, you know what, God, thank you for the rain. Thank you that it's green outside. You ever been to the desert? Thank you that we don't have to worry about wildflowers, or fi fires or flowers, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Find something. Just be happy about what God's blessed you with. Calling is the cure for destination disease. All right, listen, I'm, I'm almost done. We're turning the corner here. Let me say it. What? Promise me you love me again, okay? Aren't you glad when Joe comes to Warren and I just get to encourage y'all? I love you over there in Boardman and TCI. All right, I'm gonna say it. You can't be planted in two places. You can't be planted in two places. It would never work for a plant. Even if the soil was great and the plant was great, if you uprooted it every couple of weeks, it would not grow. And I run into a lot of people because this is kind of prevalent in our culture. And it got way hairier when we went to only live stream because people are like attending 18 different churches in one day, you know? And I'm all for people getting as much of God as they can, but we can only be planted in one place. And so we'll call them soil hoppers. We all know them. I don't, I don't really like belong anywhere. I just kind of go where the wind blows me and where the wind of the spirit takes me, you know? And they just, I love the worship over here, the kids ministry over here. I go to the conferences over here, the youth ministry over here. They're just everywhere. Their roots are everywhere, you know? And therefore they grow roots nowhere and they don't develop the fruit that God's called them to have. Here's, here's why I'm not mad at soil hoppers. I want you to hear this. If you've said that, we love you. I'm not throwing shade. I'm actually sad for you because soil hoppers never get to see a harvest. Because if you can't grow roots, then you'll never see a harvest of fruit in your life. 
And you can be a hopper or you can be a hugger, but you can't be both. And so God's calling us to, to say that our roots are right here. Here's number four, the, the fourth and final thing. You still love me? You still with me? Healthy trees are planted in every season. Healthy trees are planted in every season. I think if I were to go through the room here and online and I were just to ask you, what's the season that you're in? All of us would have maybe different answers. Some of us are in a dry season and, and it looks very bleak for us and my heart goes out to you. I've been in those seasons and some of us are in a season of victory and it feels like everything's going our way. And some of us are, are in a season where we have really young kids. Some of us are in empty nester season. Some of us are retired. But all of those seasons are important to God. And here's the question. It's not what season am I in? The question is, am I surrendering my seasons to God? Am I remaining planted in every season? Let me talk to moms for a second. I remember what this was like I would have so much compassion on my wife because I would have a great day and I would drive home. I'm just whistling and I got my hand outside of the window, just you know, daydreaming on my way home. And I walk into our house and it looks like a war zone. And my wife is like, I didn't even get to brush my teeth today. I haven't showered in six weeks. You know, like, and, and I got three minutes of sleep while I was breastfeeding last night. That's all the sleep I've gotten. And you're like, oh man, I'm really sorry. You know, did you make dinner? You know, or whatever, you know, like how insensitive we are as husbands sometimes. God's healed me of that, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But listen, as a mom, can I tell you something? You could still be a mom on a mission right where you are. And the best person to reach moms is moms. And so don't see that season as a throwaway season. See that season as a season that could be surrendered to God and he could actually do something incredible through you. When you go to the park or the playground, just be on mission. Just look for other moms you can encourage. When connect group season rolls around, get in a connect group or lead one and just encourage each other. You don't have to be Billy Graham to lead a connect group or Beth Moore or Lisa Turkhurst. You just have to be you and surrender that season to God. I'm telling you, God could use that. How about singles? We tend to see singleness as this season where everything's on pause and on hold until I have a spouse, then I could do something. But let me tell you something, as somebody that is married with a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old, can I tell you that you will one day long for the moments of singleness when you had all the time in the world and you could decide to go to Taco Bell at 2 a.m. and it didn't matter and you could sleep in the next morning and you will never get these years back. So use them and leverage them for God. You're single for a reason right now and God's preparing you for the spouse you'll one day have. And some of you are called to singleness and you have a grace in that and there can be joy in that too. And so just surrender that season to God. How about this? I love Psalm 92, 14. We read it earlier, but this line in particular, in old age, they will still bear fruit. Healthy and green, they will remain. Let me say it this way. You will never retire out of your roots. You're gonna need your roots even more when you're retired. I wanna show you a picture of somebody that really inspires me. His name is Owen. Owen is 102 years old, soon to be 103 years old in September, has been a pastor for well over, I think, 80 years at this point. And I got to meet him. He was the pastor of Lowville Christian Church up until this last year. And his grandson, Richie, and I, Richie is part of our Boardman campus and love you, Richie. And we got to go just sit and be with him. And I, I tell you what, like I sat there for an hour and a half and he just kept going and going with all these words of wisdom. And I wasn't about to stop him. I'm like, when will I ever get this much wisdom sitting here in a chair across from me? And he has the mind of a 40 year old. And you know what was crazy? I did not hear someone that was living in the past. I heard someone that was excited about the here and now. And he's not as mobile as he was back in his day. 
and he misses his wife a whole lot and he can't pastor the church the way he could all those years ago. But you know what he was talking about? He was talking about, he was scheming as we're sitting there. He's like, I'm trying to get them to bring some pews out to my property so I can have church out here. And he said, I'll just sit on my chair and whoever wants to come can come. And I'm thinking, man, let me be a dreamer like that when I'm 102 years. Let me be a dreamer like that when I'm 70. Come on, you know what I mean? Like, it's not retired, it's refired. We have to just recalibrate our thinking. If you're not dead, you're not done. God's still got things he wants to do through you. And let me tell you, this was like jumping off of the page at me as I was writing this. For anybody that is in that season, we'll call you seasoned saints, all right? If you are in that season and you're an empty nester or you have grandkids or great grandkids, who could God use you to impact in a way that you never could have before you had the experience that you have today? God wants to do something incredible in your life. All right, so listen, we're, we're rounding third, we're headed home. I just wanna, I wanna show you one more picture that I think is pretty cool. You know, if you cut open any tree, a big fruitful tree, you're gonna see the same thing. There's these rings, right? These circles that go out, concentric circles. And from the outside, these big fruitful trees, you wouldn't know the full story, but if you could cut them open, you would see in these rings evidence of years that were hard evidence of years that were happy, evidence of years where there was plenty of water, years where there wasn't enough water. Every one of them, at the end of their life, you won't see any of it. All you're gonna see is their fruit. And so I wanna encourage you to just keep being planted, keep being rooted, keep being a good tree and be a tree hugger and God will grow you into who he has called you to be. He really will. I love the similarities you can see between a fingerprint and tree rings. Like, it's really interesting to me that God has this unique calling and this unique design. And can we all agree that we all have unique struggles even? And God takes all of that and he uses it to work it together for the good. Here's one final picture. This is interesting. This is a tree stump. There's this thing that happens. It's kind of a phenomenon. And um, when a tree is cut down, so often trees with really deep roots, they find a way to come back to life. They find a way to bring forth new life. It got me to thinking about the gospel because this is really the story of the gospel. The gospel is not that Jesus came to make bad people good. The gospel is that Jesus came to make dead people alive Amen. through the tree of Calvary. So I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads at every campus. We're just gonna have a moment of prayer and invite God to do what only God can do. And if you're within the sound of my voice and you're like, man, I, I wanna know this Jesus you talk about. I wanna I wanna be planted in the house of God. Can I encourage you to take that step today? Jesus made it so simple. He didn't make it about religious requirements, being baptized, first communion, a church attendance. Those are all good things, but he made it about your heart. And he, he said, I'm the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you believe in me and confess it with your mouth, you'll be a Christian, you'll be saved. So if that's you and you wanna pray that prayer, you can't remember a moment where you said, Jesus, I give you control. I like to say, Jesus, take the wheel, sit in the driver's seat. You're calling the shots. At every campus, TCI, Boardman, right here in Warren, online. Can you pray this after me? In church, can you help us out? Say, dear God, thank you for your son, for his sacrifice. Thank you that he took the punishment for my sin on the tree so that I could be whole, so that I could be free. I receive free gift of salvation. 
And I won't be perfect, but every day I'll take a step to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now heads still bowed, eyes still closed. Just a moment more. I would love to celebrate on my way home today and just thank God for the people that made that decision. And so if that's you online, if that's you in Boardman or Warren, I'm not gonna have you stand up or come to the front or anything like that, but I do wanna just celebrate and know who's, who made that decision. And I'd also love to just put a Bible in your hands. And so if that's you, everyone else's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Can you just wave at me? You can do it in Boardman right now too. Just wave. You say, I, I decided to follow Jesus today and I'm all in. If you raised it once, just raise it again. And our hosts are gonna put a Bible in your hands at each campus. While they're doing that, I wanna invite you, if you prayed that online, you can text BELIEVE to the number on the screen and we'll send you a Bible in the mail. Absolutely free, just our gift to you to say congratulations. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.